You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey everyone, Tim McMaster here, along with Gregor Chisholm, our MLB.com Blue Jays reporter, and it's going to be an exciting week at the winter meetings coming up in a week. We'll look ahead to that, and we'll also look back at one of the more exciting winter meetings in Blue Jays history. Uh, It's going to be a big week maybe for Jack Morris as well, a former Blue Jay great. I want to start, though, with some more newsy stuff, Gregor, and one of those things is one of the goals of this team this offseason was to add depth to the middle infield. They've done that. They make a trade with the St. Louis Cardinals. They bring in Aledmus Diaz. Now, Diaz, people may remember the name from 2016 when he was fifth in the National League Rookie of the Year vote, started the season on fire, cooled off a little bit that year, and really struggled a bit in 2017. But what do the Blue Jays think they can get from Diaz going forward? Yeah, I mean, they think there's a lot of upside here. I mean, it was interesting when, when Ross Atkins started the offseason by saying that his top priority uh, was adding a versatile infielder, but it made sense at the time because of what the team has dealt with, with Troy Tudelitsky and, and Devin Travis. And here we are, the first major move that they, they make is is getting that exact type of versatile guy that they were looking for. I mean, Diaz is coming in technically without uh, a starting job, similar to what he was faced with uh, with the Cardinals this past season. Uh, but there's going to be an opportunity there for a lot of playing time because you know that it's only going to be a matter of time before Tulewitzki and Travis have to miss some time. It also could buy Travis a little bit more time at the start of the year if he's still rehabbing an injury uh, from spring training. So he he's really offers a, a lot of versatility with the glove, and I think really the offensive side is what the Blue Jays would really love to tap into. Whether or not he can get back uh, to 2016 remains to be seen, uh, but even a middle ground between 2016 and 2017 would be a pretty nice piece because this is a guy that the Blue Jays have under control for the next five seasons, and all they had to give up was uh, pretty, uh, a pretty promising uh, outfielder, but a guy who was still in, in low-level minor leagues in Class A. Uh, so it was really kind of a no-brainer for Toronto all around. Yeah, it fits their needs perfectly, and like you said, they didn't give up much, so a nice move. Uh, the non-tender trade, uh, non-tender deadline was Friday. Uh, the Blue Jays non-tendering. Ryan Goins, Tom Kohler, any chance either of those guys could be back with Toronto on a different deal? I think there's an outside chance that you could see Kohler come back. I mean, I think he's the type of guy who's probably going to have to wait a little bit longer into the offseason before he settles in with the team. I think a few things have to shake out uh, before then. And, uh, you know, I, I think that a return to Toronto is certainly a possibility. I mean, the Blue Jays gave him a, a, an extended audition this past year as a reliever, and I think that's the role that they could kind of see for him. Now, the, the question he's going to ask him, have to ask himself is whether or not he can find uh, somewhere where he can go in and potentially compete for a starting job again. And if he can, uh, he probably goes there. And if not, then there's a chance he can come back as a depth piece. Ryan Goins, I, I think his time uh, in Toronto it has come to an end simply because, I mean, now you, you, you have a decent amount of depth up the middle and something the Blue Jays couldn't say a couple weeks ago, but they got Gifton Gope from uh, uh, Pittsburgh and now pulling uh, this uh, move for Diaz. It really kind of uh, solidifies what they're looking for. And, and Ryan Goins, who was out of options on the contract before, kind of became a redundant piece, and, and that's why I don't think you'll see him back. Shohei Otani, the great two-way player out of Japan. We spoke about him a good amount last week. And the Blue Jays' outside chances of maybe making a run. Well, those chances were indeed outside as he did. The Blue Jays don't make the first cut. Otani has limited his list to seven teams that he will meet with. Toronto, not one of them. No surprise here, Gregor, right? 
No, no surprise. I mean, it's kind of like buying a lottery ticket in a way. And I mean, just because you go out and buy a lottery ticket doesn't mean you start spending the money. I mean, it doesn't really change anything about how you prepare for your day. And this isn't going to change anything in how the Blue Jays prepare for the rest of the offseason. I mean, the fact is this this team's still looking for a fifth starter. They're still looking for a corner outfielder. It would have been nice if they could have gotten both of those things and and, and a rather bargain basement deal that that Otani's going to get. Uh, but you know it's not in the cards. It does seem like he's got a preference for for the West Coast, and uh, you know the Blue Jays uh, aren't alone in this. I mean, if there's anything that the Jays fans can can take a positive from all of this, it's that you know they might have missed out, uh, but so did the the Red Sox and Yankees, and, and those those two teams typically uh, are the type of organizations that the players like this uh, go to. Yeah, and it seems like there's a good chance he may end up in the National League, which a lot of people didn't think was much of a chance going into this whole thing. But of the seven teams that are left, four National League teams, three American League teams. And it seems like he's going to meet with most of these teams this week and will probably have a, maybe during the winter meetings, maybe before or just after, we'll know where Otani is going to play his baseball in 2018. Okay, speaking of the winter meetings, the Veterans Committee, the Modern Era Veterans Committee, will vote for the Hall of Fame. And that's, of course, a separate vote from the uh, overall vote. So it's players that didn't get in the first time through or front office members, that sort of thing. But from a Blue Jays perspective, Jack Morris jumps out on the list this time around. Of course, uh, nobody has ever been closer to getting into the Hall of Fame on the regular vote and not gotten in. But that happened to Jack Morris. He's been waiting a few years now for this vote to come up. Uh, this is his next chance. We'll find out on Sunday evening. Uh, what do you think, Gregor, if you had to kind of make a guess as to how this could play out? Do you think Morris has a good chance? I, I do think he has a chance. Uh, you know, there's no doubt about that. I mean, it's just that what he would have had to go through the last few years, I mean, coming so close uh, it, it really is just remarkable uh, how close he came and, and then not to be able to get in. And now you see this opportunity now. And I, I mean, I, I was someone who grew up in that uh, era when I was, a, I was a little bit younger of a kid, but when in Jack Morris era, when he went to Toronto after that memorable run that he had in that 10 inning complete game with, with the twins before that. And uh, I mean, he was part of those, uh, you know, that World Series team with the Blue Jays as well. I mean, you think of him, uh, when you think of baseball, you know, in the 80s and 90s, uh, Jack Morris is one of the top pitchers is what always comes to mind. And I know there's always been a lot of debate between old school and new school and, and, and you know, weighing the value of that. Uh, but to me, he was just a pitcher who kind of signified that era as well. And, uh, you know, certainly Blue Jays fans have fond memories of him as well. And he, he struggled a little, little bit in Toronto. Uh, but after such a strong run with Minnesota and then coming part of that World Series team, he'll always be remembered here, and I know there's going to be a lot of people uh, north of the border hoping that uh, that he does get in. He got two rings from Toronto, of course, the back-to-back titles. He was a much bigger part of the first title than the yeah. second when he was injured, but but still a member of those teams. Two of his four rings also, of course, winning the famous one with Minnesota, and he was also great for that 1984 Tigers team. You look at the committee, it's a 16-member committee. Uh, I believe it's the same percentage, so you need 75% of the votes, so 12 votes out of 16. Paul Beeston is on the committee. That can't hurt, right? Yeah, no, you got to think that has to be working in this favor. So you have that, um, and there are some other names I think that would help him out. So we'll find out on Sunday. And um, we must say, I guess, he is an MLB.com analyst and employee here. So um, it is a little tough for me because I've worked with him so much here to be mm-hmm. completely unbiased, but, you know, kind of rooting for him a little bit because we do gotten to know Jack quite a bit 
over the years here as he's been an analyst here at MLB.com. All right, looking back through the winter meetings history, you have a story up on the site, Gregor, um, looking back on 2005 and what it meant for this Toronto Blue Jays team where they kind of went all in. Uh, it didn't end up paying off the way they would have hoped, but just kind of sum up that 05 winter meetings and, and what the Blue Jays were doing where they kind of won the winter. Yeah, you know, it's it's really, you know, a lot of people when they think of kind of historical stories for the Blue Jays with, with the winter meetings, they, they think back to 1990 with the, the Tony Fernandez uh, trade for Joe Carter and, and uh, Roberto Alomar, Fred McCriff in that deal as well. Uh, but the one that happened more kind of recently was another example where the Jays similarly kind of went all in. They went uh, a different route. They, they, they kind of pursuit of A.J. Burnett. And at the time, I mean, the Jays had been an afterthought uh, in that division for, for quite a long period of time, and they were no longer really uh, a destination for free agents. And uh, the team had also really severely slashed payroll in the previous years going into 2005, and 2005 marked the first time that uh, ownership group Rogers Communications really kind of upped the payroll and gave then general manager uh, J.P. Ricciardi some money to work with. But there was a lot of skepticism that he'd actually find some people who would be willing to uh, you know, be elite free agents and, and actually sign in Toronto. And, and there was a hot pursuit of A.J. Burnett over several weeks. Uh, came to a head at that uh, uh, at that 2005 winter meeting. And it was really kind of the the nitty gritty details of the contract uh, that were negotiated there that uh, you know paved the way to the deal. And one of those was it included an opt out clause after after year number three, uh, which ultimately uh, you know helped the Blue Jays get him along with the inclusion of a fifth year overall. Um, but you know he was able to secure that deal and ultimately led to him <clears throat> leaving town as well because after three years Burnett did go on to use that opt-out clause. But there was a lot going on with the team at that time. Uh, you know it was really kind of an all-in situation, and, and you know Roy Halladay and AJ Burnett got to paired up together for uh, you know the next few years and, and kind of was it was a, not necessarily a successful era in, in Blue Jays baseball, but it was certainly one that's memorable and, and it's one that all started there at the Winter Meetings. Yeah, that next season, Toronto going 87-75, and 75, so a good season, but they finished yeah. 10 games back of uh, the Yankees uh, that season. All right, so that brings us to Winter Meetings 2017. It all gets kicked off, um, well, Sunday into Monday down in Orlando, Florida. Should we expect the Blue Jays to be somewhat busy? Is it going to be a quiet week for Toronto? What are you anticipating? I think there's going to be a lot of rumors. I'm not necessarily convinced they're going to get something done quite that quick. Uh, but, you know, we're starting to see that market move a little bit now. So, uh, you know, maybe all teams across baseball are going to get things done a little bit quicker here over the next week or so. I mean, the Blue Jays still have uh, several things that they want to do, and, and they have a decent amount of money to spend. I mean, they're looking for that fifth starter. Uh, they're looking for a right fielder, and, and they're looking for a uh, potential lefty reliever. And you're talking about a team that, could have anywhere from about 20 to 30 million to spend this off season, and if it's on the higher end, then uh, you know that's certainly enough to get one uh, pretty significant piece. Uh, and then you still have you'll still have enough money left over to, for a, a couple of nice secondary pieces as well. So uh, the Jays really should be in the thick of it. Uh, when it comes to uh, not necessarily the first tier of, of free agent starting pitchers, but that second and third tier, uh, once guys start falling, I think you're going to see some movement there with the Blue Jays, and, and then same uh, with some of the outfielders who are, who are available as well. So, uh, you know, I, I, it does seem like the time where, where things are starting to move up a little bit. So it wouldn't shock me if uh, if the Jays break the mold that they've had recently, which is they haven't done much at the winter meetings. That that could potentially be different this season. 
Yeah, and if Otani makes up his mind before the winter meetings start, and even and maybe Giancarlo Stanton decides whether yeah. or not he wants to accept the trade before the meetings start, then things could really uh, be wild because it seems like we've been bottlenosed and nothing has happened so far in the mm-hmm. offseason, but a lot of things are, are waiting to happen. It could all happen over the course of those uh, busy three-and-a-half days in Orlando. That'll do it for MLB.com Extras, our Blue Jays edition. For Gregor Chisholm, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time.